Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy Hump Day, everybody. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, presented by Stadium. We got Ben Wittenstein, we got the professor, Nate Jacobson, talking everything sports betting on this podcast. We're looking at some games this weekend. NFL games, finally, Nate, for week one. We got college football games, so we're very excited. Some new segments as well we want to introduce, so uh, we can get just uh, right to it. We might as well start out this Wednesday show hot. Again, you can follow uh, Stadium Bets for all the videos that we have and all the clips that we'll put out for all the bets, and on Fridays... We're going to be doing our best bets, of course, so you can see all of our best bets um, at Stadium Bets on Twitter. But, Nate, situations of the week. What's the situation? We'll get it started. Hangover, sandwich, look ahead. A lot of different situations for some different teams throughout college football. Let's start with some of the hangover games. Lousy hangover. we got a couple of teams that may be suffering a bit of a hangover from their last uh, games in week one. Um, and you got a list of three three teams here. Yeah, so if you want an explanation of some of the situations, we went over it on last Wednesday's show. There wasn't too many situations to uh, take advantage of because it was only week one. I know there were some teams in week zero as Illinois fell as a hangover uh, candidate in week zero and, and losing outright in week one. But now we're on a week two, and there's plenty of opportunities after the crazy week we had in college football week one. And the hangover teams for me, Northern Illinois, Notre Dame, and Georgia. And, you know, you think in NIU, why are, why are they on it, especially in the same company as Notre Dame and Georgia? But Northern Illinois, they host Wyoming this week in a game where Wyoming is currently a seven-point favorite. It opened Wyoming minus four and a half, so Wyoming has taken the early money. NIU is coming off an outright win as a 19-point underdog against Georgia Tech. I don't think NIU is very good. I think that was kind of a fluky performance, a fluky upset in Atlanta. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to justify laying seven points with the Mountain West team in Wyoming with a game in the as a total of 44 and a half. So you're not expecting a lot of points. So hard to make a case for the favorite as a bet. But that's one way I'm going to look, though, in, in terms of maybe parlaying the money line of Wyoming with another about uh, touchdown favorite I like, for example, Utah and maybe making that a bet that will pay out about even odds. So that's one of the way I'm looking, fading NIU off their massive upset. Unfortunately, a lot of the other teams who had big upsets were FCS teams, so I don't even know if those lines are going to be available. Uh, definitely not available now, but I don't know <laughs> if they'll be available Saturday. But NIU, the FBS team, probably had the more shocking upset, and uh, looking to fade them in some way on Saturday when they go back to DeKalb and face Wyoming. Then we have Notre Dame, we have Georgia, um, of course, Notre Dame. That's 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 an interesting one where you're looking at a hangover game for Notre Dame. They play Toledo, 16-and-a-half point favorite at home 
against Toledo. Um, but but again, they're coming off a, a tough week one. Yeah, the hangover spot is they just played Sunday night late at Florida State in game that ended up going to overtime, even though Notre Dame had a late 18-point lead. So you have a short week of preparation for a Toledo team that is one of the best schools in the MAC. They have 21 returning starters. This is the game Toledo probably has had circled all offseason. They're going to give their best effort. And Notre Dame, I guess you could kind of call it a sandwich game because they play Purdue next week, but they just have a number of tough games throughout the early part of the season. If there's any game they're going to overlook or maybe be hung over from the week before, it'd be against Toledo. This line was as high as 20 last week. It's moved all the way down to 16 and a half since that Sunday night win by Notre Dame in overtime. So maybe right now you're kind of not getting the best number with Toledo, but it's either the Rockets or pass for me. And I could see Toledo kind of exploiting Notre Dame's defense in a similar way that Florida State surprisingly did on Sunday night. I am more than happy to bet against Notre Dame. So that might be a game that I look at if, if that line stays at that 14 and a half. And then the other team, Nate, that you had, of course, was Georgia, as they're coming off that win against Clemson in uh, a pretty ugly game for, for both teams, at least offensively. Um, but they play UAB. They're playing UAB at home uh, right now, about a 24 and a half point favorite. I'm seeing a quite different amount of numbers. You see 25. I see 126 somewhere. There's, it's interesting how kind of different the numbers are around the board, but at most spots, about 24 and a half is, is the spread. I, I, listen, I don't know how much you know about UAB. That 24 and a half seems like a lot though. Yeah. And actually UAB is actually one of the better teams in conference USA. Bill Clark has done a tremendous job with that program since they returned to college football. It was a school that got rid of their football program and now they're back and, They've, they've played well in some big games against big opponents in non-conference, and it, they're catching Georgia at the right time uh, coming off that win against Clemson. It was 10-3 to with a pick six, but, I mean, that's probably how Kirby Smart wants to play football, low scoring, have his defense play well. The total in this game is very low. It yeah. opened Georgia minus 28, down to 24.5, and as you said, there's some other numbers floating around, so maybe some money coming back on Georgia, and I hope that's the case because – I'm definitely going to take a hard look at UAB plus the points because they are a respectable program in Conference USA and not a pushover. And and then South Carolina next week opens conference play. Sorry, Georgia opens against South Carolina next week in conference play. And that used to be a big game. South Carolina, not the same team like they used to be. But still, I could see UAB kind of sneaking up on a Georgia team coming off that big win and maybe catching the Bulldogs a little bit hungover, as we like to say. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like the way Georgia looked against Clemson. Um, this might be a game just looking at initially. I kind of like – I can't really see what the Georgia team total is. It's not up at some spots. But I may consider hitting the over on the Georgia team total. Um, I, I know their offense didn't look fantastic, but Clemson's defense is probably the best in the country, um, other than maybe what Georgia looked like or Alabama. But – Going against that Brent Venables defense is a very tough task for anyone. Um, and so I, I don't think we saw the full capability of that Georgia offense. And the fact that the total is so low, I'm thinking that Georgia team total might be a bit of a manageable number where the over seems like a good number to hit. I'm just trying to do the math off the top of my head. But <laughs> I know I was too. <laughs> I, so I say it'd probably be, well, it'd be like 34. Because like 34 to 10 would be around yeah. the, the total. So 
whatever you what, if you think that's good then then maybe I just my worry about I guess backing UAB is they they don't score any points and that uh, Georgia stifles um they're going to be the games in Athens and they stifled Clemson so I mean it easily could be like 31 nothing and it stays under the total and Georgia covers so just something to think about though and probably why we've seen this line crash down from four touchdowns to more like three touchdowns in a field goal where Georgia is uh, is laying at, at 24 and a half. All right, we got more situations of the week. We got the sandwich games. Sandwich. Penn State, yep. Virginia Tech. Now, who does Penn State play this week as we look through some of the lines? And, of course, it's going to be something they're, someone they're playing next week as well. Yeah, so they're playing Ball State this week. Yep. They're favored by 23 points at home. But think <laughs> about it. They just played Wisconsin. Pulled off the outright upset as a five-and-a-half-point underdog in a game that, if you look back at the box score, you probably confused how Penn State won that game and how Wisconsin only scored 10 points because Wisconsin's offense was on the field for 95 plays. So not only was that kind of an emotional road win for Penn State, a big one, especially after they had such a rough season in 2020, but their defense is probably exhausted. And next week, they're playing Auburn. And I've talked about how Auburn, I have low expectations for them this year. But it's still the ABC primetime game, going to be a whiteout at Happy Valley. So that's the home game all the fans care about, probably the, player, the players and the, and the coaches care about. So maybe little old Ball State from uh, Muncie, Indiana, can sneak up <laughs> at uh, State, State College, uh, Pennsylvania, and maybe hang around with Penn State. But I will say... My one worry is James Franklin seems like a coach in the past that will like run up the score to cover the yeah. spread. And we talked on Monday's episode how we think that coaches now know what the point spread is and they want to cover that for the boosters. I could see James Franklin having the same mindset where maybe Ball State hangs around for a half, but then Penn State kind of proves that they're the more talented team. And I, I'm guessing that uh, the quarterback, Sean Clifford, for Penn State, who's a big question mark in my opinion, won't have to do too much in this game, and they'll be able to run the ball with the talented backfield that they have. But just something to consider, maybe that Penn State kind of has a, a sleepy spot against Ball State on Saturday, especially off the Wisconsin win and Auburn on deck. It's Franklin and Penn State seem like that team, especially with that season that they had in 2020, where you know they were just embarrassed a lot of times, a lot of those games, a lot of those losses, 0-5 they started they just did not look good, and I know Franklin was talking about the offseason just starting strong and getting the season started the way they wanted last season to start. So this seems like a game where I kind of lean that way, Nate, where you're talking about running up the score, getting as many points as he can, and just blowing teams out. I could definitely see that. But Ball State, you know, they look solid in week one. They're, I mean, they're not going to win this game against Penn State, probably. You never know with college football, but most likely they're not going to win. Um, but it, it absolutely is that quintessential sandwich game where they're coming off an emotional win on the road first week, and then they have a tough game in Auburn week three. This could be the game where they kind of let their foot off the gas, give themselves a bit of a rest. Um, so that might be one of the games to look at. The other team having a sandwich game this week, Virginia Tech, coming off that win against top 10 UNC in week one. And then they go to West Virginia next week to play um, an 11 a.m. game against West Virginia, another tough team. But they play Middle Tennessee this week, Nate. Yeah, formerly known as Middle Tennessee State, I believe, but the uh, the Hokies favored by 20 and a half in this game. And yeah, you said it. They came off the, coming off that big win Friday night against North Carolina on national TV. 
upset win, knocking off a top 10 team that has a lot of hype and was the favorite to win the ACC Coastal. And then next week, you have a non-conference game, but it's at West Virginia, a Big 12 opponent. I, I'm pretty sure just from geography and, and everything, and maybe they were in a conference at one point. I, I can't think off the top of my head. Yeah, they're probably both in the in the Big East a long time ago. That this is just kind of a bigger a game and a look-ahead game at the same time for Virginia Tech. So since they're coming off kind of a tough game or a, a big game, a hangover situation, and they have a bigger game on deck, I think can see – Virginia Tech, who they beat UNC, they played great defense, but going into the season, they didn't really have really high expectations, so I don't, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to cover this number against Middle Tennessee, even though Middle Tennessee has, has really uh, taken a downturn in, in general as, as a Conference USA program a few years ago. They were very respectable, and it's not the same anymore. A lot of these sandwich teams really hit all three. They hit the hangover game. The sandwich game, and it's a look-ahead game for a lot of these uh, teams that are in the sandwich situation. But we have a look-ahead. We have a look-ahead team, the classic look-ahead, where yeah. you have a down week, bad opponent, and you're just looking to that huge game the next week. And for week two, that team is the Florida Gators, as they uh, have a game this week against South Florida at South Florida. But next week, Nate, big Alabama game. Alabama comes to Florida, goes to Gainesville, and you would have to imagine that game is in the back of a lot of the players' minds. It's in the back of all the coaching staff's minds. That's going to be something we're looking at for Alabama. You'd imagine they're not going to be showing a lot of their plays that they're probably going to run. So it's one of those interesting games where, you know, Florida definitely doesn't have their full attention, I would assume, on, on this South Florida game. Yeah, and it's kind of weird that they're playing in South Florida, which is in Tampa. I wonder if Dan Mullen kind of just wants to go around the state and kind of help the recruiting footprint and maybe allow some of the players who are from that area to kind of get a game as very close to home. The only problem with betting on South Florida is they're horrible. They lost 45 nothing <laughs> to North Carolina State last Thursday night. So yeah. Florida can literally get out to like a 28 nothing lead, put their backups in, and they just have to have a better uh, better output or better scoring margin than the USF starters to cover this game. So maybe the way to play this game is halftime USF uh, second half spread or sometime live in the second half when South, when Florida inevitably pulls their starters thinking ahead to that Alabama game next week in Gainesville, especially since Alabama looked amazing in week one. So they know Dan Mullen knows he's going to have his hands full planning game planning for that game. I could see the game kind of dying down at the end Florida just winning, getting out of there, not putting on style points at this point of the year, knowing that huge game on deck at home. All right, new segment that we wanted to introduce. Kind of an iteration of, of a last segment that we did, but this is the Sharp Lessons shortlist. And what we're going to be doing is it's previewing just three college football games, three NFL games for the week. And uh, I'm already excited to already break that rule, which we haven't even already done yet. But we have four NFL games that we wanted to look at and only two college football games just because – the college football week two slate, Nate, is, uh, is a little weak. I'll admit, a little yeah. weak. So we're, we're going to go I for agree. NFL. I agree. Plus, on Monday, we talked a lot about some of the bigger games in general. So if you want our early thoughts and some of the line moves, go back to that episode. Uh, we'll talk about two, two games here that we also talked about Monday, but there was like six games that we broke down that are probably the bigger games. And I was even looking ahead for in the look-ahead segment for uh, week three, 
And <laughs> others in Alabama, Florida, not too many great games. I guess there's that Penn State Auburn game, which now Auburn's ranked, so it's ranked on ranked. But I think it's going to take till conference game where we're going to definitely have three college games and three NFL games, maybe even some weeks four college games and two NFL games, uh, depending on the schedule. Yes. Love to break the rule that we already said we haven't even followed yet. So that's always fun for this uh, sharp lesson short list. But we'll start with the two college football games. Let's start with the Oregon at Ohio State game. Um, one of the premier matchups for week two. Ohio State minus 14 and a half. The totals at 63 and a half. And we I mean, both these teams, I don't want to say like struggled in week one, but I, I don't think they came out with the intensity and the scoring and what we're used to from both of these teams from week one. I know Ohio State against Minnesota. I mean, there were points in that game where you're thinking Minnesota might be able to take the lead and hold on to it, and Oregon was going back and forth. So I think this is a very interesting line at 14.5 for Ohio State. It's that crucial hook on 14. Totals at 63.5. That's a little certainly high. And the game's at Ohio State, which is always a tough place for opponents to play. Plus an early start, 9 a.m. on the body clocks for Oregon, noon central time, the big noon kickoff. So I think Oregon has a lot of disadvantages, and and I'm not going to justify their performance last week. They were bad against Fresno State. They were losing in the fourth quarter to a team that they should have beat pretty handily. I know Fresno State isn't a bad team in the Mountain West, but I'd be a little bit concerned with the way that Oregon defense played. And their star pass rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, who was in a walking boot during the game and after the game, uh, his status is uncertain. I, I was just doing some reading before the show. It looks like Mario Cristobal, the head coach, said he's day-to-day. So I assume he gives it a go. He might not be at 100%, but that'd be a big loss to an Oregon defense that had, stru- tr- had trouble stopping Fresno State. So now you have you go on the road, long trip, Brian Day, great offensive mind, C.J. Stroud, Looks like a pretty solid quarterback. I know he, you, as you mentioned, maybe not that impressive in the first game, but that also was at a hostile environment at Minnesota on a Thursday night. So I think he'll be a little bit more comfortable in this game against Oregon. And he also has great wide receivers. He just has to get the ball out, too, and they'll let him make plays. So I'm a little bit of worried about Oregon in this situation, but I also think the point spread justifies it as last week the look ahead line for this game was Ohio State minus 11 and a half and since Monday it's ticked up from 14 to 14 and a half in favor of the Buckeyes yeah and Ohio State's one of those teams Nate when you're talking about team totals as you know I love a good team total love betting on team totals Ohio State's one of those teams where if their team total is hovering around 40 39 41 I'm usually going to hit that over because they're a team to me that can score 40 plus points every single game that they play, unless they're maybe playing like a Clemson or a Georgia or Alabama whose defenses are that elite to be able to stop them. Other than that, I don't see a team's defense who's able to stop an Ohio State's offense from scoring at least 40 points. So that's one of the things that I'll be looking at at this Ohio State game. That 14 and a half scares me a little bit especially with a team like Oregon, who did look bad against Fresno State. Absolutely. As you said, they they just did not look good. They look like they may lose that game for a good chunk of that second half. But I think they're good enough, and I think we know Mario Cristobal is a good enough coach, that he's going to be able to take this Oregon team and at least not give as bad of a performance as we saw in Week 1. And you, and you could chalk it up. You could give the excuse that Week 1 game was a Week 1 game. It is what it is. You know, Week 1, the team's not fully prepared or they're not fully ready or you're getting guys used to game speed everything like that 
they come in week two on the road. I think they'll be a little bit more locked in than they were against Fresno State. Now are they going to cover 14 and a half? I don't think I'm ready to make a play on that number yet. We'll, we'll see where that goes by Saturday. But I, I don't know if it's just a lock for that Ohio State 14 and a half either. No, I agree, especially because you're not getting the best number on Ohio State that you could even got earlier this week. So this yeah. game's kind of a complete stay away from from me just because the number is high. But all the situations point to Ohio State being the right side. It's just I don't know if I can justify it at the current point spread. Um, but maybe something to get in live, I'm sure we'll be watching. I, I looked at the noon Eastern slate, and it's not great. So I think you can kind of put your focus onto this game and try to make an in-running play uh, if you want some action on uh, this game between Oregon and Ohio State. Cyhawk game, Iowa at Iowa State in Ames. Iowa State minus four and a half, total 46. The Iowa Hawkeyes were getting some money early on, if I remember. I think this line opened at four, and it went down to three and a half with some money coming in at Iowa, and then it popped right back up to Iowa State at minus four and a half. Um, I'm leaning Iowa State in this one, Nate. Um, I, I think them being at home is a plus, and I told you, I was not impressed with what they did against Indiana, even though they won that game. Um, and I know Iowa State, you know, struggled-ish against Northern Iowa. They didn't look like the Iowa State team that people expected. Um, but I'm leaning Iowa State. The number is high for me. I think if we see some maybe Iowa fans betting and maybe lowering the line down to four, three and a half, I might consider Iowa State. But again, this line is one of those lines where it's like, I just four and a half it's a little too much if i like iowa state and i kind of want it to go lower and that total seems about right too yeah definitely i I agree with you in in a way it's going to be this game's going to be a stay away for me i i going into this week i was thinking i'll be on iowa and then i realized wait a second they won that game against indiana but they also had two pick sixes yeah, I'm not I'm not very high on Indiana, so I shouldn't be giving Iowa w- that much credit for winning at home in the opener, especially when you get 14 points via the defense. You're just at such an advantage in a game that was supposed to be low scoring and it did stay under the total. And Iowa State, they did barely get by northern Iowa, which is a concern. But now you're kind of betting at them at their lowest point. And it was a team that's been maybe overvalued before the year, but they're now they're probably back to the number where they should be. Iowa coming off their A-plus game against Indiana. I saw a, fr- a friend of the show, our guest from two weeks ago, Sam Panjanovich, who was on Iowa in week one, released Iowa State on his Twitter account, Chicken Dinner. So when he oh. has a play involving a Big Ten team, I'm always usually going to give that a lot of respect because he's very familiar with the Big Ten. So I think the sharp side actually is Iowa State, which is very uncommon that the sharps might be on the favorite, but the public is in the underdog when it comes to college football. So with all that being said, going to stay away. I thought that it was pretty telling that on Monday morning, while we were recording the show on Labor Day, the line looked like it was going to go towards Iowa's direction and get down to a field goal. And all of a sudden we see it pop back up to Iowa State minus four. That means that someone respected was betting on Labor Day Monday, and it wasn't just some random fan being like, oh, let's get involved five days before the game on a holiday. So I think based on, like, the market movement, it's just a stay away from me, and I could see why Iowa State now is getting some love in the market, and now we're seeing four and a half. And interested to see where this line goes the rest of the way, because I can see the public coming in on Iowa 
uh, on Friday and, and then on game day, as this is a mid-afternoon start in Ames. No days off. No days off for any of these betters, especially on, on Labor Day. Let's do some NFL. First time we're talking NFL lines on Sharp Lessons, Nate. I just wanted to acknowledge that as the NFL is finally here, as we're now in week one of the NFL. So let's start with Miami at New England, the Alabama Bowl with Mac Jones and Tua. New England minus three at New England against the Dolphins. Total 43 and a half. Certainly a bit of a low total in this game. Um, Again, I tend to lean New England at home. We just don't know what we're going to see from Mac Jones. We don't know what, what to expect from him. He's being coached by Bill Belichick, so I'm expecting probably good things. The uncertainty of this is keeping me hesitant of making a play on this game. Yeah, that's exactly how I see this game. I think Mac Jones could have a great season, and, and Josh McDaniels has proven he could you know work with a lot of different quarterbacks, even though he's had some rough spots in the NFL when he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I just don't feel comfortable betting on a rookie quarterback as a favorite in week one. I kind of want to see it first and I can see this game being low scoring. I mean, the total looks low score. It makes it going to be a low scoring game, but it makes a lot of sense. Brian Flores, Dolphins head coach was an assistant for Bill Belichick. Both player, both coaches are defensive minded. Both have a lot of familiar familiarity with each each team's schemes so I just that kind of always leads to an under game when the coaching staffs are so familiar with each other. And especially when you have two young quarterbacks in Mac Jones and then Tua Tungavailoa. And I know Bill Belichick has a strong history against rookie quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks, uh, scheming up against them. So I think points are going to be hard to come by. I'm not going to be able to lay it with the Patriots at minus three in a game I expect to be low scoring just because I think a field goal win for the Patriots is is definitely on the table. But at the same time, maybe Mac Jones kind of struggles now that there's more pressure on him that this isn't a preseason game. This is an NFL regular season game. So that being said, stay away from me. Um, I guess you can make the case if it gets down to two and a half that the Dolphins would be an attractive teaser up to eight and a half because – it's hard to see the Patriots winning this game by more than one possession, just based on the math. Uh, but for me, it's kind of a stay away because I kind of lean the Patriots if I had to, just knowing you're getting Belichick at home at just a field goal price. Green Bay, New Orleans, the game that moved to Jacksonville. Uh, right now, Packers are minus three and a half, total at 50. A couple days ago, it was Packers minus four. Um, and even right at the end of August, it was Packers minus four and a half. So, there's been some money coming in in New Orleans, and people know Aaron Rodgers' record playing in the state of Florida, um, and I think that was part of the move for New Orleans to want to play in Jacksonville. So this is an interesting game. I'm leaning Green Bay still minus three and a half um, because I just I know New Orleans is going to be starting Jameis Winston, and I cannot for the life of me put money on Jameis Winston to do anything good <laughs> against the spread. So I'm going to stay away from this game. Uh, there's definitely some things about the Saints I don't like this year in general, just from like a long-term perspective throughout the season. Uh, the Winston thing is a big question mark, not having viable wide receivers because Michael Thomas is injured. A defense that might take a step back, especially because they lost some some guys because of their salary cap issues. But I think for one game, Sean Payton with a lot of time to prepare – Against a Packers defense that is good against the pass, but not against the run, they let up a lot of 
receiving yards to running backs, and the Saints have probably the best weapon to exploit that weakness in the Green Bay defense and Alvin Kamara. I know last year when, when the Saints played the Packers on a Sunday night game early in the year, Kamara went crazy even though he they lost the game. He could not be stopped by the Packers. So I could see the Saints kind of doing what they want to do anyway, which is feed Alvin Kamara the ball, just kind of feeding him, and he can exploit the Packers' defense. And on the other side, a little bit of worry about this Packers' offensive line. One of the best units last year, but David Bakhtiari towards ACL late in the year on the pup list, won't be available. They lost their center, Corey Lindsley, to the Chargers. So it's a new-look offensive line, and Aaron Rodgers, there was a lot of animosity definitely this summer. It looked like maybe they uh, kind of made a, a peace treaty for training camp and everything's fine, but I wouldn't be surprised the Packers' offense sputters a little bit and that the Saints kind of play inspired for the people of New Orleans. I know it was a little different for LSU last year, and they struggled in that spot, but those were also – college kids and you don't know what's going through their mind i can see the saints kind of playing inspired even though they aren't in new orleans and jacksonville and they can kind of take advantage of some of the matchups um that kind of present itself in this game so that's my case for the saints not gonna bet it because i think this line maybe should be a little bit more because if it was minus three in the in the dome in new orleans this probably should be like four four and a half and maybe by game day it gets there but right now at three and a half, it's a complete pass for me. Browns at Chiefs. Chiefs minus six, total 54 and a half. Um, and again, I think we're kind of moving away from last year where Kansas City is completely overvalued as a team just because of Super Bowl champions, at least last year before the Super Bowl. There were Super Bowl champs. Patrick Mahomes was the hot, the hot quarterback to bet on, and everyone loved betting on the Chiefs because of the offense. Um, so I, I don't know if we expect Kansas City to come down back to earth a little bit in the betting market, um, but that six is is certainly interesting against a team like Cleveland who, you know, they, they could be seen as a bit underrated, and, and Baker's coming back with, with a fully healthy team, and they got another year together under their belts. They got that chemistry going, and a team that made the playoffs, and I think it's a, it's a Cleveland Browns team, as weird as it is to say, on the up and up. It's a team that actually looks like sure. they have a pretty solid future ahead of them with a lot of really good pieces on the offense and defense. For a game like this, I do lean towards that Cleveland spread. Um, and we're going to probably still see a lot of people bet Kansas City just blindly because they're the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. They've been to two straight Super Bowls. Why shouldn't they win against the Cleveland Browns by seven points you know that that seems like obvious on the surface to a lot of people but I do think this Cleveland team is going to surprise a lot of people this season at plus six looks pretty tasty and then if you wait maybe a little bit a couple more days some people start hitting Kansas City a bit more you may get that up six and a half maybe even seven love it even more at that point yeah it's been floating around six six and a half so I think there's always maybe a, a hope that it gets to seven I just don't think it's going to get here in this game Last year, this, these two teams played in the playoffs, same stadium. Chiefs closed minus eight in that playoff game. And it was after the Browns were coming off that upset playoff win against the Steelers when Kevin Stefanski wasn't even on the sideline because he had COVID. And it was kind of hard to kind of, I guess, judge the Browns because there was this, they weren't fully healthy and at full strength. But, I mean, I guess no team's at full strength in January in the NFL. So now both teams seemingly healthy going into this game. The line's a little bit down from what it was in the playoffs. 
I actually agree with you, Ben. The Browns are going to be one of the teams I consider betting on this week, and maybe the line gets yeah. to six and a half, and I'll pull the trigger there. But I wrote in my article that will be up tomorrow on WatchSame.com where I have the Browns as a side I'm going to consider betting on. I just You mentioned the Browns have great peace on both sides of the ball. They really did a good job improving that defense through the free agency and through the draft. And Kevin Stefanski, a very good coach, I'm, not, I'm sure he's been game planning for this game for months to have his offense in the right position, especially since we're on the field where they had a, lost a heartbreaking playoff game. So I like the Browns here. I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright. If you're thinking about teasing the Chiefs because you can just tease them down to pick them or, or minus a half, I'd actually avoid the the Chiefs teaser leg too because I think there's a chance that the the Browns could win this game straight up. So I'll take the points. And you mentioned that maybe the Chiefs were a little overvalued. Last year, at one point, they failed to cover the spread in nine straight games. So you could, there was, yeah. you could just tell that there was a little bit of a point spread tax built into the Chiefs' lines and that you'd have to overpay if you want to bet them. The Browns are a team I respect a lot. I think they're going to actually end up winning the AFC North. So I'll take them um, catching this many points in week one. I think if this was last year, we would see this line maybe more towards seven and a half. So that probably, I think the, the Chiefs have come down just a little bit, but I, I do think there's still a little bit of that built in where people just love to bet on the Chiefs because they're the Chiefs. And so you're going to get probably not the greatest line uh, if you like them to win a game like this. But I would even tease, I would love to tease the Browns up even more. I think that would be a lot of fun. Tease them up to plus 12, uh, plus 12 and a half, something like that. I think that you give well, yourself a little bit of space. So just like a general teasing thing is you want to tease games with low totals just because there's like less chance of points, less chance of variance. And this total got hit over yesterday where now it's the highest total on the board. So I think there's a lot, a high range of outcomes in this game where the Browns could definitely win straight up. But at the same time, if Baker... Mayfield maybe turns the ball over and Patrick Mahomes to completely dial it in. It wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs won by 20 points. So I would totally t- stay away in terms of teasers. I usually don't like teasing underdogs unless it's through key numbers, three and seven. So I, in this situation, it's hard to tease against a team playing Kansas City because they have that ability when they're on their A game to win by 14 points maybe even more. So I'd stay away from the Browns teaser. If you like them, just bet them plus six. Uh, that's, that's the way I, w- I would bet it. Finally, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Thursday night football games tomorrow night. We're getting finally football week one games that actually count tomorrow night. Buccaneers minus eight and a half with a total at 52. I do not have a lean on the side, Nate, but I do like the over. Um, I think this might be one of my plays. Haven't decided yet. It's not going to be a best bet, but I do like the over in this game, the over 52. Um, I think both of these teams have come in with tremendous offenses. We know the Bucks obviously have one of the better wide receiving cores in the entire NFL. Um, and with Dak Prescott, we know the weapons he has, right? He's got CeeDee Lamb. He's got Zeke Elliott. And I think Dak is going to come back fairly healthy. And, and he's going to look like what we saw in the first couple weeks last season. Um, so I, I don't really have any reason to believe that the, the Cowboys offense nor the Buccaneers offense are going to play poorly. Um, so I just think this is going to be a points fest. And I think we're going to see points being put on the board. Um, neither of these teams' defenses really impress me enough to say it's going to be a defensive battle in the trenches. And we're going to see the run game go off and 
anything like that where the clock's going to continue to run or teams are just going to get continuous stops. I like the over, and I think we can see, you know, a a 30-27 type of game, uh, which would hit the over easily. So I I do like the over in this one. I don't really know if I can pick a side um, because I I think the Cowboys are a bit underrated. So if I were to lean a side, it would be towards Dallas. But regardless of that, I do like the over for this game over 52. Well, if you want a side, I think the side to go is just tease the Bucks down to under a field goal. I think it's very likely they win this game. I know there's a lot of question marks of Dak Prescott first game back after a, an ankle injury and also some other injuries he was dealing with in training camp and why this line has got up to minus eight, minus eight and a half. Because early on in the summer, it was Buccaneers minus six. You also have right guard for the Cowboys, Zach Martin, who tested positive for COVID. He is vaccinated. So now there's a chance he might play after the reports early this week said he wasn't going to play. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I do agree, though, that the Bucks offense is going to score. I don't really respect the Dallas defense in terms of personnel. I don't think Dan Quinn is a, is a great coach just in general. I know he had some good defenses as a defensive coordinator in Seattle, but he could never figure out the Falcons defense, and he was head coach there for a long time. So the coaching and the defense for the Cowboys is a big concern with me. That's why I can't see them winning this game. They won't get enough stops. I'm confident Tampa is going to win this game. Not sure if they're going to win by the current spread. So I'll definitely have Tampa in teasers. Hopefully they win that, and then I'll definitely tease them with teams like the 49ers and the Rams, maybe even the Bills, but definitely the 49ers and Rams and kind of tie in uh, some pending teasers from Thursday to Sunday in this game. All right, before I finish the show, Nate, I want to give out one best bet for the week because I do think this line could possibly move just a little bit more before Saturday, and it has to do with NC State. And I think NC State is going to be able to cover the minus two and a half. Um, they, I think that line has moved a little bit in NC State's favor from when it opened. And I was really impressed with how they beat South Florida. They were a 19-point favorite, and they blew that out of the water, 45 nothing, in that win. Um, I, I just really like the way this team plays. I like the offense. They got a lot of veteran returners. They got some really good wide receivers, um, and I think they just play really well and disciplined. And you saw it against the South Florida team and Mississippi State. Not South Florida. Of course, they're going to get more of a competition from them. Um, but that's why the line's only two and a half. And it's one of the really good numbers, right, where it's two and a half. It's not up to three yet, not up to three and a half. Um, so I think if you can hit it while it's still at two and a half, I think you take NC State minus two and a half. So that's my one of my best bets for Saturday. I'll give more of them out, as both of us will on Friday. But I just wanted to hit that one early in case that moves. By Thursday or Friday, you can hit it early and get NC State minus two and a half. Yeah, this this line open, pick them, Mississippi State minus one in some spots. NC State took immediate money, part of it, because NC State looked good against South Florida, but also Mississippi State needed a miracle to beat Louisiana Tech at home. So I think there's a lot of concerns about Mike Leach's team. And usually when you're an AC, you don't want to be back in the ACC team on the road against an SEC team, but I think this is a special exception, just how – the results have played out in week one and don't want to overreact, but I think it under a field goal, that's a, a very fair bet and a, and a good best bet to start the week. Cause unfortunately I don't have one. I'm waiting on a few things to move a little bit, but I'll definitely have a bunch on Friday in college and the NFL. Yeah. It's a unique weekend. It's, we don't have a ton of good college football games. Some of these NFL games don't look enticing either really it's it'll be i am excited for friday to see what best bets you come up with because i'm uh i'm having to come up with some myself here yeah i think with the nfl week one is a little bit difficult because 
the lines have been out for so long, so there's just not much value left in the current numbers. Week two is one of my favorite NFL weeks because there's a lot of overreactions to 60-minute sample size. So we'll definitely probably – I'll have a best bet early for the NFL next week if some situations play out that I hope. And then in college, just without the like marquee games, it feels like you're really taking a, a shot on a lot of unknowns. Um, and that's something I'll, I'll talk about ne- on, uh, this Friday when I kind of narrow down my list of college teams I want to bet on. And we'll have that article out Friday morning on watchstadium.com, the college roundtable, and then my NFL article. Check that out Thursday morning. We'll have every pick for me for week one and kind of how I see it. Um, about half the games I don't have an opinion on or I'm undecided, but I think there's enough there. will be an entertaining read throughout the season. Yeah, we've got you covered for NFL, college football, whatever it is, from the podcast to the website. Go check it out as we get these out before the weekend starts and these games get going. But for now, good luck to everyone in the coming days. Good luck on Thursday Night Football. Be excited. We finally get NFL back for the next four months, five months until New Year's. Um, So everyone have a good week, and then we'll see you back here Friday for Picks Friday to give all our picks. (laughs) 